we read the text and some tremendous statements in there, and I wish we had time to address every one of them. I want to focus on one, but thy mercy is in the heavens. Wow, we could spend the whole message right there. Thy faithfulness reacheth unto the clouds. Another place we could stop for an hour, easy. Thy righteousness is like the great mountains. But here's where we're going to spend a few minutes here. Thy judgments, excuse me, thy judgments are a great deep. Thy judgments are a great deep. Now, God's judgments, what are God's judgments? You could almost say they are God's verdicts. God's judgments are the way that God proceeds. Uh, Not everything that happens in the world is a result of God's judgments. A lot of what happens in the world is God giving us our free will to make our choices. But what happens as a result of the choices we make, that's where God steps in with his judgments. God's judgments are the way God proceeds, the way God decides, the way God plans, the way God does things. And make no mistake, God's judgments have a direct impact on every day of your life. It's not some irrelevant thing up in the skies. I got nothing to do with me. That's religion. I'm just living my life. No. God's judgments impact your day-to-day life. Now, I'm not going to try to answer all your questions tonight, nor could I, about why does God do yada, yada, yada. Maybe the most common question, why does God let bad things happen to good people? Oh, yeah. Uh, that, that, was, that was sort of a, a moment of clarity there. Anyway, um, I can't answer all your questions about why does God do this, why does God allow this to happen, make this to happen, and so forth. But be assured, God has a way of doing things, and how God does things affects every single day of the life of every person in this room. The amazing thing about it is, yes, you still have your freedom of of your will. You can choose how you live your life. You can choose what you do. But make no mistake, God does things in response to the choices that we make. And these are God's judgments. Now, what I've said so far, just in the first five minutes, is already evidence of what we're actually going to talk about tonight. Here's what we're going to talk about, that statement, thy judgments are a great deep. We're not going to discuss why God does certain things or why God allows certain things. We're just going to discuss something about why God does certain things. Let me remind you again, God's judgments are the way that God proceeds. They are the way that God decides. They are the way that God plans. They are the way that God does things. So the way that God does things in this world of ours, they are a great deep. Okay? That tells me there's great depth to it. Immeasurable depth to God's methods. Let me give you some thoughts about that statement, thy judgments are great deep. 
First of all, this tells me God doesn't do anything on the spur of the moment. Now, just because you just found out about it, or just because God just put that plan into action, whatever you want to pick there, why did God allow 9-11? Why did God allow Hurricane Katrina? Why did God allow Hurricane Sandy? Whatever you want to put in there. To us, it looks like, you know, we didn't know that 9-11 was coming. We knew that Sandy was coming, but we didn't know the devastation it would have. So to us, it was like, bang, that, that just happened. But God's judgments are a great deep. He didn't, he didn't allow that on the spur of the moment. You say, wait a second, you saying God allowed 9-11? Hey, if God didn't allow it, it wouldn't have happened. Now, understand there's a difference between God caused something and God allowed it. And that's another deep doctoral question that we'll discuss some other time. And we have discussed it before. We will discuss it again. But the point tonight is that God doesn't do anything on the spur of the moment. Everything that God does, and I'm going to use sort of a weird word here, but it's one that we'll understand. It doesn't directly apply to God, but we will understand it and God has a way that, okay, let me just make use the word. Everything that God does is thoroughly researched. Now, God doesn't Google anything. He doesn't go to the library. But we understand research. So what we understand is research. God has a way of checking every background detail. God, everything God does is thoroughly researched and thought through. When something happens and right away you hear somebody say, well, I believe God did that. Let's take the election. You heard tons of people say, God stepped in, he caused it. And you say, well, wait a minute. Didn't God think about yada, yada, yada? I guarantee you this. Number one, whatever God's role in the election was, he had a role. Okay, now I have an opinion. We've talked about my opinion. Don't, God was not absent from the election two weeks ago. Yeah, but didn't God think about this? Yeah, whatever the this is, yes, he did. I promise you he did. When God does anything, his judgments are never spur of the moment. Now, you've had plans, and so have I, where we did something, and right after we execute our plan, somebody reminds us, for us men, it's usually our wives remind us, uh, you didn't think about this, did you? And we all go, oh, man, I wasn't even thinking about that. God never has that moment where an angel goes, God, you didn't think about this. And God goes, oh, man, you're right. I didn't even think about that. Everything that God does is, again, excuse the word, but thoroughly researched and thoroughly thought through. So God doesn't do anything in the spur of the moment. Thy judgments are a great deep. Then I want you to observe this. God doesn't miss or overlook a single detail. In making his plans. God considers every side effect and every bright byproduct of everything that he does. Think about, I mean, how many lives and circumstances and people were affected by 9-11. Here's what I can guarantee you about 9-11. I don't have all the answers about God's involvement in 9-11. But here's what I can guarantee you. Every person involved 
were affected in any way on September 11, 2001 was treated justly. That I can guarantee you. Now, maybe not by your definition of justice. And I don't have time to sit here and try to explain you why this circumstance and that circumstance, how is that fair? All I know is the principle. God's judgments are a great deep. And all the things that you can try to think through, God already thought them through, and he did justice. By the way, it would help your life a great deal, especially if you're coming at this from an angle of faith in God. All right, you shouldn't be, you're a Christian, Bible-believing Christian, you shouldn't be at the place of the agnostic where God's always on trial and, and God always has to defend himself because you already believe God, you already trust him. Then live in that place of faith and trust where you say, all right, I don't understand this, but I believe God did all his research. God checked all his facts. He knew all the side effects. He knew all the byproducts of this. And so there's going to be 100% justice. God does not miss or overlook a single detail in making his plans. By the way, that means that when something happens, oh, man, the company I work for closed down and they laid off 2,000 people, and I'm one of them. Well, God thought that through. So that means there's a plan for you. And God knows what it is. And you better seek him. Because he knows what the plan is. We look at human leadership and human mechanisms and we go, there's no way that a finite mind. Do you ever look at, you know, you hear, I don't care who it is, Republican, Democrat, you hear some guy running for president or governor and you go, man, I don't care how smart you are. There's no way that you can keep that promise. And by the time it gets down to my block, it's going to affect me in the right way. And you're right when you're talking about human beings. But God can do things that affect everybody with perfect justice. Now, hey, just by the way, and I'm taking a rabbit trail I shouldn't take. By the way, if a person doesn't believe in God, you'd have to call whatever they get justice, wouldn't you? That's just my little thought. They don't even believe in the God that's in control of things. So if they're blowing him off, they get what they get. I mean, that's my opinion. Uh, Well, let's get back to God's justice is a great deep. Next observation on this, every move that God makes, this tells me, this statement tells me, every move that God makes has innumerable principles, considerations, and implications attached to it. Let's take that little flicker of the lights a minute ago, okay, as an illustration. I'm not saying God was in that, um, but, but uh, just as an illustration, okay? I don't, I have no idea. Brother Steve could probably explain to us why that happened and the root cause of it, whatever. I'm clueless. Here's all I know. When the lights go out, I flip the switch, nothing happens, I'm aggravated. That's all I know. Same is true with our circumstances compared to why things happen and God made them happen. But understand that everything, every move that God makes, there's no way to number, first of all, the principles that apply. Secondly, the considerations that that have to go into making this decision. 
And I'm talking about not just the the huge things that affect the whole world, but I'm talking about, just, hey, have you ever thought about, and I just interrupted, interrupted myself about three times there, um, but have you ever thought about when you pray for rain and somebody else needs it to be sunny, or you pray for sunshine and somebody else is praying for rain? Uh, I'm not going to answer how that works or how that happens. I'm simply going to say a simple decision like that. I mean, if you ever really ponder things and you go, I almost feel bad praying for this because in order for this to happen, somebody else has to get left out. But then again, God made some promises. So, hey, not my problem. I'm going to pray for, for what I need. I'm simply saying there are innumerable considerations. And God can handle them all. God can make it rain over there and sunshine over here. That's not a problem for him. But understand there are innumerable principles, considerations, and implications attached to everything God does. All this in that statement. Thy ways, thy judgments are great deep. Another thought. And this is sort of a turn of a corner here or almost a change of a subject. A shallow-minded person is entirely unqualified to second-guess the ways of God. Now, all of us are unqualified to second-guess God. Why? Because he's God and we're human. Your ways are not my ways, saith the Lord. But a shallow-minded person is especially unqualified. This is, a, this is an illustration, not an example. This illustrates what I'm talking about. When they stick a microphone in the face of one of these people that's protesting in the streets. And they don't even know what they're protesting for or against. And you ask them questions about how our government works and our structure and our history. And they're clueless. They're living in the shallow end, criticizing what's going on in the deep end. And that is 10 million times more when we take it upon ourselves to criticize how God does things. Especially when we live shallow. And one of the diseases that is killing America is shallow Christianity. Christians that couldn't tell you what, what, it, what it means that God is a triune God to save their life. I've said this before, and I'll, I'll keep saying it because I believe this is true just from reading. I've come to my own personal conclusion, first of all, that the average lost person 100 years ago knew more about the Bible than the average saved person does now. And I've also come to the conclusion, conclusion that the average Christian, 100 years ago, knew more Bible than the average preacher does now. I think we are so shallow. And if that's not precisely and scientifically accurate, it's pretty close. A shallow-minded person is entirely unqualified to second-guess the ways of God. If you don't read and you don't think and you don't listen, yet you think you can understand that God, whose judgments are great deep, you're kidding yourself. Next thought. The deeper I go into the mind and the heart of God, the more I will understand the ways of God. Next thought, number six, there are always 
I'm sorry, there is always more of the mind of God to explore. Now, I don't have any specific thing that I'm driving at tonight, but if I had to choose one, it would be this. Christians, let's be deep in the things of God. I don't like this idea that you have to decide whether you're going to be a soul winner or whether you're going to, you know, be deep in Bible doctrine. Why can't you do both? I love what Pastor Clark said. Pastor Clark, first of all, I don't know anybody that has a greater burden for souls, but I also don't know anybody that has more depth to him in his mind and his heart than Pastor Clark does. In fact, a um, staff member asked me the other day, he said, would you, would you think about if you were to come down one day a week for a semester to teach a class or two, could you think about a class that you might want to teach? I said, man, I can't think of any class that I could teach at your college that Pastor Clark doesn't know a thousand times more about it than I do. I'd feel stupid teaching any class. He's just deep, incredibly well-read, always reading. Always, I doubt there's a subject that you could bring up. And of course, he plays off like he's this uneducated country boy. He is incredibly smart, incredibly well-read, and a very deep thinker. I'm disgusted with Christians who are content with being shallow. Time check. Okay, i got to wind her down. But I am going to do this. Uh, I've got hundreds of um, people of history, men of God, for the last 2,000 years who have written, and I've got their writings in my office, and I work all the time at reading what they wrote. And here's what I find is the people who have impacted history, they were deep thinkers. My favorite. They may be replaced someday. I really doubt it because I've read, for one thing, I read a 500-page biography about them. If I invest that much time in studying your life, I'm probably not changing my mind about my conclusion about you. Jonathan Edwards. I absolutely love Jonathan Edwards. So this is volume one of a two-volume set of the works of Jonathan Edwards. And look at the writing. I mean, and there's no pictures. Um, But I want to read you some excerpt to give you an example of depth, of depth, but at the same time, he's talking in some of these quotes on the very subject that we're talking about tonight, the mind of God and how we can't know the mind of God. His judgments are a great deep. Real quick, four or five quotes, maybe six, maybe, maybe ten. Um, we are not to resolve that we will first be satisfied how God brought this or that, the other effect to pass, and why he hath made it thus, why it pleased him to take such a course and to use such and such means before we will acknowledge his work and give him the glory of it. This is too much for the clay to take upon it with respect to the potter. What he's saying is, don't say, I'm not going to give God the glory for anything I can't figure out. Give him the glory first and then figure it, figure it out. But he's a pretty thorough guy, all right? A couple more. A supine carelessness. I'm not even sure if I'm pronouncing that right. I had to look it up to see what it means. And a vain, carnal, worldly spirit in a minister of the gospel is the worst madness and distraction in the sight of God. Wow. They who have, and these are random, they're not in a row. They who have one, my glasses are filthy here. And all I see now is yellow lines from the highlighter. All right, so let's get there. There we go. All right. 
They who have one certain consistent rule to judge by are like to come to some clear determination. But they who have a half a dozen different rules instead of justly and clearly determining do but perplex and darken themselves and others. Another thought from Jonathan Edwards. The informing of the understanding is all vain any farther than it affects the heart or has influence on the affections. By the way, and, and quote after quote, I'm not going to take the time to read more. I read all, read all that this past week. That was actually written as a defense of the Great Awakening to the other pastors of the colonies because the Great Awakening was receiving so much criticism. And he said, he wrote a, a, an introduction that said, hey, I'm not qualified to defend this awakening, this, this revival, but somebody needs to do it. So I'm going to do it, and you can take it or leave it. And he wrote, and, and so this deep, deep mind is, is writing to other pastors defending a revival. And here's why he had to defend it, because it was characterized by a lot of emotionalism. And these staid Puritan ministers said that. That's not of God, all that emotionalism. And this deep, deep thinker wrote this this incredible essay proving that, first of all, don't judge it based on your own reasoning. Judge it by the scriptures. Powerful, incredible. Here's, Here's the whole reason I took you down that very boring trail. Is because here's a man, by the way, one of the spiritual forefathers of our nation. We wouldn't have an America if it wasn't for God using this man. God could have used someone else, but God used this man. We wouldn't have an America but for the work that he did by the hand of God. You need to know who Jonathan Edwards is. Very deep man. And yet we're content to be so shallow. The judgments of God are a great deep. All right, I'm going to wrap it up with a couple more thoughts. You're so tired. You've worked so hard. There's always more of the mind of God to explore. Number seven, as I continue to learn the mind of God, I must learn to trust the heart of God. Okay, let's go back to 9-11 because it's just such an obvious example. We say, man, I cannot understand God's involvement in September 11th. Okay, so while you're trying to figure out how God thinks and how his mind works and what his principles are, trust his heart. God's heart is that he loves us. His heart is that he never lets us face or, or, or never lets injustice prevail in our lives. Trust his heart. Number eight, last one. Though I will never exhaust the mind of God, I will be more godlike as I explore the depths of the word of God. Okay, so I'm picturing right now, you know, I'm picturing deep sea, all right, as the illustration of thy judgments are great deep. I'm picturing, I don't know anything about undersea, but 20,000 leagues under the sea. It used to be a ride at Disney World. I remember you getting this, we got in this big thing, and they were you're going down, we're going, we're going so deep under the sea, and, you know, I'm an eight-year-old kid, and I'm buying into it until I looked up, and there's daylight right up there. <laughs> but anyway... So, we're, you know, I'm picturing 20,000 leagues under, going down there where the Discovery Channel, only they go and so forth. And we're corals and, you know, all these colored fish and everything. Okay, the great depths 
I will never achieve the great depths of the mind of God. But if I'll take the plunge of having a deep mind and a deep heart, I'll at least be closer to where God is. I guess, and there's no real point tonight, no ultimate point. There's a lot, of, lot to think about, no doubt. But my ultimate challenge to you is this tonight. Don't be content to be shallow. Now, depth, depth is going as deep as the Word of God goes, and the Word of God is limitless. It's infinite. Don't go off on crazy questions. I mean, I guess it's okay to ask the question, where did Cain get his wife? And it's okay to try to figure it out and get it, but don't dwell there because, by the way, that's not in the Bible. The guy asked me one time, what would have happened if Eve ate the fruit and Adam didn't? And I said, I don't know, but I'm going to spend a lot of time thinking about it. Why not? Because it's not in the Bible. It didn't happen. You're talking about something that didn't happen. There's so much to explore about what the Bible does say that I'm not going to waste my time, a lot of time straining my brain about what the Bible doesn't say. The depths of the word of God are immeasurable. And if you will dwell there, if you'll let your mind and your heart go there, if you'll seek the Lord about the the mystery, the Bible is written in mysteries, much much of it, and that's so that we will seek the Lord to solve those mysteries. Don't be content to be a shallow Christian. Dwell deep. And if you will dwell deep and seek the deep things of God and have the deep mind of God or seek to have the deep mind of God, you will understand more about the judgments of God, which are a great deep. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you'd help us tonight.